1 John chapter 4, 7 to 10. 1 John chapter 4, 7 to 10. The Epistle of John, written by the same one who wrote the Gospel of John. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. In verse 19, we love him. Because he first loved us. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation in our hearts be acceptable to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. G.K. Chesterton is one of my favorite men. He was wise with a few words. And in his book, as I was saying, he penned these words. They have invented a new phrase that is as black and white in contradiction in two words. Free love. Free love. I want to borrow from another that said that free love is the result of a disposable society. Free love is the result of a disposable society. D.L. Lawrence said something I read back and revisited it again. Listen, Listen carefully to these words. We want to delude ourselves that the problem of our emptiness, that love is at the root of it. I want to say to you, it isn't. Love is only the branches, the root goes beyond love. If love solved everything in the world, the world would be a different place. If all we need is love, pure love, something has gone wrong or that we don't understand what love really is. Dear Lawrence is saying something. That love is the branch that says something else. But love is not in itself the solution to human problem. I don't have time to show this to you. But I want to go to the text immediately. And show you from God's word what love is. What is involved in when we read as we were reading this morning that love is from God. In this text, John gives to us 
what I call the environment of love. The environment of love. I was watching a, um, something from the People's Church in Toronto. And, and in a few weeks, they'll be having the trip to uh, Pennsylvania for the annual Christmas display. There's quite a beautiful uh, display in, um, down there in, in, in Philadelphia. And it's Mennonite country. And when you get in Mennonite country, especially the Amish Mennonite, you know what you see. I remember the first time I experienced that. We, we were sleeping. And all of a sudden, I heard... And I thought, what in the world is going... I jumped up in my bed, ran to the window, pulled my... The bird, the, we were staying in a motel. I was speaking in this one place. And I'd never seen it before. And they were all going to church in horse and buggies. And, and I mean, they were, it was not late, it was early. So when you go into that environment, you don't see cars running. When you go in that environment, you don't see some of the things that we take for granted. You're in another environment. They're almost like a different bunch of people living in a different world than, than we are used to. Well, John is telling us something. Because he's telling us that the location of love, the location of love is heaven, not earth. You can go back as far as you want to in human history. And you will not find love at the center of what is going on. There's a search for meaning. There's a search for the origin of things. But you will not find what John is saying, love is from God. Where is God? God is in heaven. His environment is one of love. John 3:31. He who comes from above that is heaven. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. Nobody can speak of love as Jesus can. Because he comes from the place where love originates. He comes from the place where love existed before there was time. Jesus said, you loved me before the foundation of the world. So before there was a world, love existed, but it existed in heaven. You and I know almost nothing of what real love is until we learn where that love comes from. Every expression of human love is a display of the love of God, but it doesn't originate with them. Time, again, will not permit me. We see the location, but I want you to look at the, what I call the composition of love. God is love. What does that mean? Does it mean that love is God? No. It is saying what God is like. God is love. That is, love comes out of God who dwells in heaven. It was confined to that environment. Listen to the words of A.W. Tozer. I love this. From God's 
other known attributes, we may learn much about his love. This is what I mean by the composition of love. We can know, for instance, that because God is self-existent, his love has no beginning. Because he is eternal, his love can have no end. Because he is infinite, his love has no limits. Because he is holy, it is the quintessence of all spotless purity. Because he is, he is immense, his love is an incomprehensible, vast, bottomless, shoreless sea before which we kneel in joyful silence and from which the loftiest eloquence retreats confused and are abashed. What God is, everything we know. I, 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 I was listening to a program last night and they were trying to talk about what we ought to be doing in life. And I was listening to some of the things that took place in the, uh, the politician's domain in Washington this past week. And it was ugly. It was ugly. And it is interesting to me that the one politician that was talking was not talking about the party opposite. The one politician that was talking was talking about the leader of his own party. Uh, it was horrible. It was horrible. And I thought, that is supposed to be an environment of civility. It is supposed to be a, an environment where you hear, I love political speeches, but I love speeches that make sense. I don't like speeches that, that are just decrying what's gone. I, I like certain things. Ask not what, you, you can do for your, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. That's balance. Disregard who said it, but that's... <laughs> what, am I, what am I saying? When we talk about the composition of God's love... We are in an environment, my friends, that is beyond what we can even begin to expect in our imagination. When we think of what should happen there, let, let me just give you an illustration. I'll forget that. Lazarus is sick. And message, a message is sent to Christ by his, his sisters he whom thou lovest is ill. Now, human love says that what Jesus should do immediately is to go to rescue Lazarus. But John eleven six 6 says no. And Jesus loved Lazarus and loved Mary, did not go immediately. That just seems a contradiction, doesn't it? That's what we expect. That if, if God is love, then whatever our needs are, that's what he is there for. And Jesus said, no, this sickness is for the glory of God. So love is supposed to express the glory of God. Love is not simply for God to give me what I need. I wish it was different, but it's not so. Let me give you an illustration. In Psalm 33, it says this. He, God, loves righteousness and justice. 
God, who is love, loves righteousness and justice. Psalm 45 verse 7. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated wickedness. The love of God does not wink at what is wrong. There is an emotional expression in God that is displeased with things that are wrong, that are not just, that are not righteous. And simply because God is love, he will not simply say boys will be boys and it's okay. He loves righteousness. The love of God is best experienced when it is related to the attributes of God. God is holy, therefore love is sacred. Love is sacred. Again, love is intended to let us see the unlimited capacity of this holy love of God. So how is it exhibited? Look at the exhibition of love in 1 John 4, 9, 10, and 19. In verse 9, we read, We love him, uh, verse 19, We love him because he first loved us. In both the Old and the New Testaments, the love of God is never, never expressed because of human needs. Never. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7, God said to Israel, I did not choose you because you were more than any other people. I did not choose you because you had more of anything. In John chapter 16, Jesus said, I did not, you did not choose me, but I chose you. In other words, my friends, the love of God is intended to express the glory, the magnificence, the absolute beauty of God who expresses his love in the goodness that he shares with us. It is because he is loved that we are blessed. And it is because he is loved that his goodness comes to us. But please remember, first, that God's love is never merited. Jesus must not respond because Lazarus is sick. Jesus will respond because the glory of God is to be expressed in what he is about to do. What do I mean that the love of God is unmerited? Listen to this. When we were without strength, in due time Christ died for us. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of Christ. In other words, Jesus did not come to die for those who deserve it. He died for those who don't deserve it. Top lady had it right when he said, Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in, the, in thee. Let the water and the blood which from thy riven side did flow be of sin the double cure, saved from wrath and make me pure. Not 
the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. And if this is one thing that the modern day man does not like to hear, is that he cannot merit God's love. As, 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 as red-blooded Americans and some Canadians. As red-blooded Americans, we don't want to think that we are dependent upon anybody, including God. And when we, when we come to the table, we must not see that God placed a great deal of value on me, and that's why he did what he did in the cross. No, friends, he placed a great deal of value on his glory, therefore he gives us the cross. Then we see that it's not merited. We don't go to God and tell him, this is what I'm doing for you. It is unmerited. It's unique. God's love is unique. He sent his son. The reason for sending his son was in total agreement before the foundation of the world that because of the condition of the world, something had to be done. God was holy. God was just. And so in John 3.17 we read, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He did not come to condemn it. Why? Because he was going to condemn someone else for the world. His son was going to bear the sins. You see, God cannot forgive sins as though sin didn't happen. It happened, and that's why he sent his son. This is love that we cannot fully grasp. Jesus said, the reason my father loves me is because I laid down my life. The reason my father loves me, there was this this demand in the nature of God to satisfy his goodness. And the demonstration of his goodness was exhibited upon the cross For the first words that came from the cross of Jesus Christ was what? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's that's the depth. That's love divine. All love's excelling. Jesus was sent to display the glory of God, the glorious love of God at the cross. That's why we make much of it. We'll never get over it. The blood will never lose its power. And when all the ransom get to heaven, you know what we'll be singing of? His blood. His blood. And it's not gory. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. We will be celebrating as we're supposed to do now. Not an angel. Not a creature from heaven. But he sent his own son. That is the mystery of love. The father loves me because I lay down my life. It's a unique kind of love. Let me quickly look at the undertaking of God's love. He sent him to be the propitiation for our sins. He sent him with a mission. Jesus did not come to simply tell us that God is love. 
he came to tell us at what degree the love of God is going to go for those that he loved. He came to respond to the justice of God. How can God be just and forgive sinners? It's because someone paid the price. Someone paid the price. God doesn't wink it. By the way, friends, let me say it again. We are not saved by the love of Jesus. We're saved because of the death of Jesus. He paid the price, the propitiation. You know what that word propitiation means? Theologians have a very difficult time with the word. Because it means to appease, to satisfy the wrath, the anger. So he's going to tell me that God was angry? Yes. But let me tell you how God was angry. The anger of God was because the holiness of God demands justice when disobeyed. And God, in his infinite wisdom, found a way to be just because he is a God of love. He found a way to be just, to remain holy, By placing on Jesus Christ the judgment that you and I deserve. So that when Jesus died on the cross, please remember this, he was not responding to Satan or to any creature. He was responding to God. The justice of God demands punishment. God is angry at sin. And no matter how sin is displayed in a culture, it is still sin before God. And only Jesus Christ can take care of it. Doesn't matter what it is. God is not indifferent. That's why he sent his son to die. Didn't send his son to live. Jesus came not to overlook sin as if it didn't matter to God. My friends, decisions are made today where it is said love wins. But love does not win where it promotes unrighteousness. God loves righteousness and hates wickedness. The love of God is not sentimental. It is judicial. It is a love of justice. It is a love that looks upon helpless sinners, enemies of his, and say, I love them enough to do something. Not that they are better, increasing themselves in knowledge and wealth. No, I love them while they were yet sinners, while they were yet enemies, while they were yet weak. But it was not, my friends, that God simply winked. You know what he did? Jesus gives us an understanding of how God, a God of love, could justify sinners. Because on the cross, you heard the cry, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? St. Paul answers that question for us. He made him to be sin for us, that is Christ, who knew no sin, 
that you and I might become the righteousness of God in him. Do you love Jesus this morning? I hope you do, friends, because he loved us enough to suffer the wrath of God that you and I might know the love of God. Listen to these words. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood. The Holy One did hide his face. O Christ was hid from thee. Dumb darkness warped thy soul a, 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 a space. That darkness was due to me. But now the face of radiant grace shines out in love on me. God is love. But my friends, God's love is not cheap. God's love is not sentimental. God's love is holy. It is sacrificial. It is mysterious. But nevertheless, God's love always displays God's glory. Let's pray. Father, Oh, may the Holy Spirit finish what I have started this morning. I confess that the time has taken away from other aspects of this word, but I pray that perhaps for the first time we will understand something of the love of God. That when it says that God is love, we're not told that God is sentimental, that he's a pushover. When we say that love wins, love always wins to release, never to promote. And so we pray that the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit will help us as God's people to love like God. In Jesus' name, amen.